Alright, but before this episode starts, I'm going to give a quick disclaimer that the audio can cut off here and there, and that's because we're far apart, and it can glitch, it can lag, but I still think this episode holds a lot of meaning and value, and we share a lot of great things. So, yeah, I just wanted to give you guys that quick disclaimer. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Thank you. Hello, I'm your host, Philemon, and you're listening to The Brief Dive, the show where I take a brief dive into topics around mental health, positive psychology, and overall becoming a better you. Today, we have a guest speaker on the show, and I'd like for him to introduce himself. Hi. Uh, first, thanks for having me on. I appreciate the invitation. Um, so my name is Craig Van Slyke. I'm a professor, have been for about 20 years. I teach information systems in the business school, but I'm also a podcast host of a couple of podcasts. Um, one is called Live Well and Flourish. We do through work called Cyberways. Uh, live Well and Flourish is dedicated to helping people live flourishing lives, mostly by taking control of their lives. Like I said, I've been a professor for a long time. Before that, I spent about uh, 10 years in the engineering and technology industries. And uh, we're going to be talking about like living a purposeful life and like how to quit living in the passenger seat and kind of take charge in your life. But before we do, we're going to do a quick, would you rather, would you rather find a rat in your kitchen or a roach in your bed? Oh, a rat in the kitchen. Maybe we, <laughs> we have three dogs and three cats, so that rat would not be around for long. So, oh. yeah, and we we actually live in the woods. So even though we don't have rats in the in the house, we do have them around the yard and the barn and that kind of thing. So, isn't yeah, it peaceful in the woods? It vary. Yeah, very peaceful. So, sometimes, actually, quite frequently, I'll go outside and the only thing I can hear is the birds and the wind through the trees. And so it's got its downsides. Internet access is tough. We have to have a generator because power goes out. And But uh, it's just peaceful and safe and quiet. And so I've gone from living in the city. I mean, like not in a city, but in the city of St. Louis to getting further and further away from civilization. I'm not sure what that says about civilization, but uh, we're out here in the woods, especially during COVID. Okay. Uh, I'm just going to jump straight to the second question. Would you rather have a pause or rewind button in your life? Oh, I think I'd rather have a pause button. Everyone always says that. <laughs> I don't get it. Yeah. You know, I mean, we are our mistakes. So, you know, I'm, I, you can tell by looking at me, I'm not a young man. I'm in my 60s. And I've made a lot of mistakes. Um, but that's who you are. You know, the, the, the things you do right, the things you do wrong are all part of who you are in this moment. And so I kind of figure things happen for a reason. And the important thing is, not to go back and change what you've done, but to learn from the mistakes that you've made and to grow from them. So, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't want to rewind button. I've, but every once in a while, it'd be nice just to take a little break and 
let things be. You know, the world moves pretty fast these days, and to just take a pause could be nice every once in a while. You're right, actually. And then the last question is, would you rather, I mean, in these times, I'm sure, I'm probably sure, I know what you're going to pick. Would you rather always have full phone battery, full gas tank? Oh, that's a tough one. I uh, I think I'd rather have a full gas tank, like you said, at the moment. Um, yeah, especially, I, it's kind of a cheat because I have two phones, so, you know. <laughs> I think a full gas tank. Especially these prices on gas. Yeah, yeah. I drive a pickup truck, so, yeah, it's not cheap to fill it up. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you like to drive a truck. Okay. So let's go back to the topic. It's me talking about purposeful living, sort of. So I'm just going to jump straight to it. Sure. Why do you believe living a purposeful life is important? So if you have a good sense of purpose of, of why you think you're on this earth, it can guide literally everything you do. Um, so my, my purpose is to try to help people live successful, meaningful lives. That's, and it took me a long time to figure that out. But that's, that's what I want to do on this earth. And so I do that through my work. I do that through my podcast. I do that through the way that I interact with other people. You know, if, if I'm trying to decide how to spend my time and I want to be really intentional about it, I can think about what's going to help me best serve my purpose. And so I, I'm not saying that you have to really think about it every second of every day, but when you're trying to make a decision, you can think, all right, here's my purpose. Is this choice A going to move me towards my purpose or away from my purpose? And what, what about choice B? Is one going to be better in terms of serving my purpose? Um, and then you, you make a decision to do whatever it is that's going to help you best live your purpose. Uh, and it, the, the other thing that, that I think is really important, um, there's a lot of research that shows having some sense of purpose, having some, uh, oh, sometimes they call it engagement, really helps your well-being. So uh, Viktor Frankl, who was a Holocaust survivor, wrote in a book called Man's Search for Meaning said that a, a, something along the lines of a, um, one that has a why can live through almost any how. That's not the exact quote, but it's something like that. And one of the greatest things about having a, a strong sense of purpose is there are literally an, um, an almost infinite number of ways that you can serve the purpose. So I, I used to be a business school dean. And so when I was a dean, I served my purpose in, in one way. And then I stopped being a dean, went back to being a professor, and now I serve it a different way. But even if I lost my job as a professor, I can still try to serve that purpose by writing, by just talking to people, you know, having a podcast, uh, an almost infinite number of ways. If you focus on on what you do, that can be taken from you. You know, I could get fired. 
Actually, it's not very easy to get fired if you're a tenured full professor, but it can happen. And so, you know, I could get fired. And that could hurt me financially, but it doesn't close off all avenues for me to serve my purpose. Sorry if uh, I've got a little cat that just jumped up here, so she may make a cameo appearance soon. Lock my door so mine don't come in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that would be even worse because there'd be barking. But <laughs> anyway, sorry. So but that's why I think it's so important to spend the time to try to hone in on your purpose because it really does serve as that North Star that can guide your entire life. You know, no matter what it is, what circumstance you're in, you can find some way to serve that purpose. So do you think it's like it could be the reason like it, it just drives people in life and it just makes them continue no matter when they're tired or like full of energy. They just keep going with that purpose. Right. And so uh, because you can find ways to serve it, regardless of your circumstances, it gives you a sense of fulfillment, regardless of what happens to you. You know, it, it's um, it's tied into the idea of being, I'm trying to think how I want to say this. You want to think about your successes and failures internally rather than externally. And so, you know, getting a promotion, having you know, 20,000 downloads an episode, those are all external. And we really can't control those. Control, but you can't really control those things. But you can control the fact that you put out an episode that's directed at helping people. Or you control the amount of thought that you put into it. And so it it helps you. That That's one of the things that we need terms of, of flourishing is to have uh, some sense of autonomy and control. And so if what you're trying to do is m live according to your purpose, then you always have some control. I mean, you know, if you're in a coma or something like that, you may not, but virtually always you'll have control. And I think that's really critical to people, especially when external events seem so out of control, you know, like they do now. You know, the world's just kind of gone crazy. And you can kind of come back into yourself and your purpose and say, okay, given the world the way it is today, what can I do right now? And and it helps you also be more intentional. You know, get out of that autopilot mode. So, sorry, I, I get excited about this sometimes, and so <laughs> I tend to go on. No, that's why I invited you, actually. Um, so... When you mean by control, does this mean that it has something to do with, like, being in charge of your life? And, uh, yeah. Yes, yeah. And, um, you know, the Stoics wrote a lot about what we can, can control and what we can't control. And basically what we, we can control is our opinion of things. Um, and so... I would expand it beyond that. There are always some external things that you can have some degree of control over. But when we feel like we don't have that control, like things are happening to us, it really diminishes our well-being and, you know, has all kinds of negative effects. Uh, and so I tried to to keep in mind 
what can I do right now? I, if I, if you'll indulge me, I'll tell a quick little story. We we have goats. We have a couple of goats, and they've literally never been sick. They're we've had them about five years. They've never been sick a day in their lives, and all of a sudden, one of them got sick and bad sick. Uh, I was pretty sure it was going to die. And we had to vet out a couple of times to treat him and did all this stuff. And uh, I thought he needed to go back to the vets, but we didn't have a way to get him there. We don't don't have a trailer. And the vet couldn't come out and get him. So I called some people. They weren't able to help. And I remember I was taking one of our dogs on the walk, and I thought, screw this. We're going to put that goat in the back of my wife's gate. And I'm going to take it to the vet. And immediately it was like this weight was lifted off of me because I went from having no control to focusing on what I could do. I could put that goat in the back of that little car and drive to the vet. You know, and so uh, immediately I felt better about the situation. And the goat is fine, by the way. Went through this. Um, Earlier in my life, my first wife passed away of cancer after about two and a half years. And she was what they call stage four when she was diagnosed. So she had a, oh, a two or three percent chance of survival when she was diagnosed. You know, you talk about being out of control. You know, there's this disease. She had a very rare form of cancer. The doctor never could figure out exactly what it was. So it was it was bad all the way around. And I remember thinking, okay, I can freak out here. Or I can pay attention to what's right in front of us. So it was in her main tumor was in her hip. So when she started having trouble getting around, we got her a cane. When the cane wasn't good enough anymore, we got her a walker. When the walker didn't do it anymore, we got her a scooter. And so it was always this focus on what can I do right now that's going to make this situation a little bit better, not this focus on how are we going to cure this thing that was out of my control, you know, but I could make her a little bit more comfortable. I could make it a little bit easier for her to get around. And so that taught me the importance of, of having some control. There's always some little thing that you can do to control any situation, even if you just reframe how you're thinking about it. And it's just a tremendously powerful a way to improve your life is just thinking about, okay, what, what can I control? And I'm going to pay attention to what I can control, not that universe of things that are outside of my control. So I really think it's a critical thing for people to learn. And the, I wish I would have learned it a lot earlier. Wow. I'm at, like, here's the thing. I, I read this quote by uh, Mark Manson, and it was like, I forgot what it was. It was like, you can't control what happens to you. The only thing that you're like 100% control of is how you react to it. And I, is, is that like kind of what you're trying to say? Yeah. So Epictetus, who was one of the early Stoic philosophers opened up his book. It's called the Enchiridion or the handbook. And he said, some things are up to us and some things are not up to us. And basically what he said was up to us is our opinion of things. So that's, that's exactly right. How you react to them. I say a little bit differently. 
you can't control the cards you're dealt. You can only control how you play them. You know, and sometimes you get really good cards and sometimes you get really bad cards. And you don't get to control what cards you hold. You just get to decide how you're going to play them. And I think if we can remember that, we can get rid of a lot of anxiety in our lives. You know, anxiety is a is a fear of the future. And so, you know, if we can kind of not imagine all of these possible negative futures, we can save ourselves a lot of anxiety. And if you do imagine some kind of possible negative future, if you shift your thinking from oh my God, this thing, this is going to be terrible, to, okay, what can I do right now today that can either prepare me for that negative future or can lower the possibility of that negative future? But it's it's a mindset shift. Not all those things I can't do, what can I do? I like how it's like focusing on the present because like sometimes that's like what we really need to do. And... Yeah. Um, Yes, yeah, it's, it's really important. Um, but back to like the purposeful living thing, I think all the viewers are curious. How do you, like for those who, especially college students, because their job is to find, like basically find themselves and who they are and what, what service they want to bring to the world. Um, so for those out there asking, how do I find my purpose? What do you have to say for them? Well, so first I would say, remember that it's a journey. It's a long journey. I mean, I really didn't figure it out until I was, oh, in my 50s. So, you know, I mean, some people get lucky and they find it early on. Some people never find it. Um, So don't, don't stress too much if, oh my God, I don't know what my purpose is, you know, that's okay. You just want to start thinking about it. And, and what I would recommend is think about what really makes you feel good. And I don't mean this transitory pleasure, you know, like ice cream makes you feel good because it tastes good. I mean this deep down inside, wh- what gives you that satisfaction? Um, and there are, there are little tricks that you can do, like imagine you know, you won the Powerball or whatever they call the big lottery and you never have to work another day in your life. You know, how would you spend your time? You know, what would you do um, if you didn't have to work? And that'll start to uh, what makes it when you experience um, what the flow, when you kind of forget about time and forget about the world around you, you know, what are you doing in those times? And reflecting on these things over time can help to give a better sense of your purpose. Um, It's never too early to start thinking about it. And you should never really stop thinking about it. It, And it's also, it's not one of those things where you're going to zero in on the right one first try. You know, you have to kind of, you're going to, it's kind of a, a windy road. And so, you know, you'll just kind of, you'll find some things that you think are your purpose and then, no, that's quite not quite right, so you refine it. Um, but I, I like the idea of thinking about what what if I didn't have to worry about work? Um, 
and there's a there's an I want to be a little bit careful there. Your work may be related to serving your purpose, but it doesn't necessarily have to be related to serving your purpose. You know, ideally, you can find some way that helps you make the contribution that you want to make and get paid for it. But that's not always possible. You know, sometimes you you do it on the side. You do it on your own time. Um, So especially for college students, you know, if I could have studied anything, I would have studied philosophy, but there's no money in philosophy. You know, you got to get a job. And so, you know, I do that kind of philosophy stuff on my own time. But don't, I want to say it one more time. Your listeners should not put too much pressure on themselves to try to figure this out today or even in the next five days, five years or 10 to try to find your purpose. Do you think they should like, let's say like, they're really interested in trying to find it and uh, they want to know, like, like, do you think they should just ask themselves better questions? Uh, so tell me what you mean by that. Like, like the question you were saying earlier, like if you just won the Powerball, what would you be doing? Uh, or questions like, yeah, if money wasn't involved, what would I be doing? Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I think, you know, you don't want to spend all your time doing that kind of thing, but you need to spend a significant amount of time doing that sort of thing. And and thinking, it, this is really hard when you're young, but thinking about how you want the world to be different because you're in it. Um, you know, as you get older, you start to think more and more about that because you have less time. You know, when you're young, you got all the time in the world, although you don't. And and that time can be lost really quickly. But, um, well, here, here's another thing to think about. Imagine that you're at your own funeral. What do you want people to be saying about you? And, you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't make any of these up, by the way, so I'm, I'm not claiming that they're original. But, but I've given a few uh, eulogies, and, you know, it makes me think about what, when it's my turn, what do I want whoever's up there talking about me to be saying? You know, he, he was a great football player, which I wasn't, but, I, you know, I don't want, he was fun to have around. Well, that's a good thing. You know, he, he helped people be better. You know, he was always kind. If he could help somebody out, he did. You know, those are the kind of things I want people saying about me. And so, you know, start thinking about that. And this is another great thing about purpose. You don't have to wait to get a degree, to get five years experience in some job or whatever it is to start living your purpose. You know, as soon as you start to get some sense of what it is, you can start thinking about, well, how do I start serving this purpose in the world? And so you do need to ask, you do need to take time and kind of disconnect. You know, you asked me about the phone battery. Well, you know, and I'm as bad about this as any 20-year-old. You know, I'm glued to my devices. But sometimes put your devices down, you know, disconnect a little bit and just think about 
these kind of deeper things. So that's a really long-winded way to say, yes, I, I do think need to ask deeper, more meaningful questions about themselves from time to time. This is what happens when you have a college professor on. <laughs> you know, you, we, we, we can talk. <laughs> no, I like it. I, I really like it. Um, so about the phone thing, sometimes we learn a lot from our phones. Like you sure. get ideas, jobs, and uh, there's a lot that we could learn from our phone. But sometimes it could be like overstimulating for teens and college students. And uh, sometimes it can take us closer to that purpose or further back. And uh, how do you think social media plays a role in our life? So Sorry, you kind of froze. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I it could be my internet. That's one of the challenges of living in the woods is uh, internet can be a bit, a bit flaky. But you were talking about the phones and that it can do a lot of good. But sometimes that was kind of the last thing I heard. <laughs> um, I was saying, like, how can, like, social media play a role to, uh, a, like, a student's life? Because sometimes it can take us closer to our purpose. Sometimes it can take us further. Like, what do you have to say? Well, so a couple of things. First, I think we want to move away from treating social media as this monolithic one thing because they're different. Um, Like if you want to connect with people professionally, work towards finding jobs, make those kinds of, you know, um, they call them uh, weak ties connections that can help you professionally, go to LinkedIn. Or, you know, follow the right hashtags on Twitter. Um, you know, if you want to have fun, I, I don't do TikTok, but go to Instagram or that kind of thing. You know, Facebook is how my generation stays connected with, you know, people from high school and college and that kind of thing. Um, so they have different purposes. Uh, Reddit, for example, I, I learned most, well, a good portion of what I uh, needed to know about podcasting through Reddit. And so, you know, you can learn things. So, so think about what, why am I using this particular platform? That's the first thing I would say, because they have their different pluses and their different minuses. The other thing is it's okay just to goof off sometimes. You know, there, there's nothing wrong with spending, you know, a half an hour on Instagram or on, I I understand TikTok can be very addictive, but on TikTok or whatever it is, you know, sometimes it's okay to do things just for pleasure. You know, so I worry about this grind mentality. You know, you've got to spend every waking moment doing something productive. And now anybody that's ever worked out knows that you need rest you grow during those rest periods and mentally we're kind of the same way. So it's okay to just kind of veg for a little while, but you got to put limits on it. Um, One way to do it is to schedule no device time, you know, so just, okay, from, I don't know, from two to three, I'm going to, just not have my device with me. You know, so if somebody calls me, I'll call them back. 
but I don't know. You're, you're, I guess younger folks don't call that much, but if somebody texts me, you know, I'll text them back after three o'clock. And could there be an emergency? Yeah, but, but what's the chance of that? You know, we feel like we've got to always be available. And that's not really true. So, you know, just take your phone, put it in another room, go for a walk or, you know, read a book or whatever. But anytime you want to build a habit or break a habit, you have to do it intentionally for some period of time. And one way to do that is to just put it on your calendar. Uh, I, I worked for a company, it was a planning and landscape architecture firm that, I don't know, it was from like 10 to 11 every day. It was quiet time. No telephone calls got through. This was before everybody carried a cell phone. You weren't allowed to go around talking to other people. You know, that was your time just to to focus on your work. And it was really important because a lot of the work was creative work. And so, you know, you, you get interrupted, it's bad. But it, you could use the same kind of logic and have your quiet time when you turn your devices off or, you know, put them in a drawer somewhere. You're right. I mean, um, whenever I spend less time on my phone, and I, I always have that mindset where everything I do, like, needs to be like productive or else I'm wasting time or I'm, I'm going nowhere. And uh, spending less time with, like, addictive things like phones, I think that's what we really need from time to time. And, uh, yeah, I was going to ask you really good question about the phones. It was like, here's the, like, whenever you spend less time on your phone, you do like a lot of introspecting and there are moments where you can do too much introspecting and like you ask yourself way too many questions and you question yourself. And uh, that's why you're right about having like moments where you just like pleasure and have fun. And uh, it's like that balance in life. is kind of what we need. And that is, that leads me to my next question, which is, do you think people should spend less time on technology if they want to become the best version of themselves? Or do you think they should just have that balance? I'm sorry, less time what? Uh, On technology. Uh, Well, you know, it's hard to say. So Aristotle talked about the golden mean which is some point between the vice of deficiency and the vice of excess. So, you know, if, if you have too much courage, you're farty. You know, you're just crazy. If you have too little courage, you're a coward. And so, you know, the, everybody's got that right balance point. And so I think absolutely, the, the short answer is yes. You need to find some balance. I think for most of us, it would be pretty silly to just completely disconnect, you know, not have your phone at all, not ever get on technology. You know, that that's not going to be very good, but you don't want to be on it 24-7 either. And and that difference is different for everybody or that point that mid, it, the, the, he calls it a mean, but it really isn't a midpoint. It's just somewhere between is going to be different. Um, it's different for me than it is for my wife. So I'm on 
technology a lot because that's what I get paid to do. You know, that's the world. It's what I teach. It's I write articles. I review articles. I do all this kind of stuff that requires me to use technology or doesn't require, but that's really the best way to do it. You know, she's retired. So it's a different thing for her. And so I think we know kind of internally, we know when we're spending too much time on one thing. Because uh, you, you mentioned introspection. It, it's great to be introspective and reflective, but you can absolutely do it too much. You know, sometimes you have to get out of your own head and just kind of let things be. So, but but it's tough. You know, it. You know, we live on our phones, so part of themselves, if they feel like they're spending too much time on their phone, just try to find some ways to not do it. Back when we were speaking about the social media thing, I think it has a huge role of how friendships go. I had a talk with someone about this yesterday, too. It was like old relationships and old friendships, I think they're stronger than they were today because you would go home, you wouldn't text them, you wouldn't call them. And I think it'd make you miss that person even more and have like a, like that space and that time to yourself it's kind of what you needed, but now it's just, you go home, you call them, you text them and there's not really much to talk about. And you're just, you're constantly giving yourself up and all that energy. And like, you kind of need the ball rolling in a friendship sort of. And uh, I just wanted to hear your view on that. Yeah. I, I think you're probably right. Um, you know, back in the day, we did have our times when we were connected with our friends and then we had our times when we weren't, you know, I mean, you'd call your friends and talk for an hour or something like that, but you know, it wasn't, it really wasn't the same as it is now. And I do think this always on lifestyle that a lot of people live is detrimental overall. You know, the other thing is, is any, anytime something gets between people in, in communication, something gets lost. So, you know, you, you write something down and, and send it in a letter. Well, that's not quite the same as talking face to face. You know, and you can say the same thing about email. You can say the same thing about texting. Uh, I, I learned that uh, some younger people find a period using a period at the end of a sentence to be kind of aggressive, you know, and I, I mean, it, once they explained it, I thought, well, okay, that makes sense. But you know, it's that way because the medium of texting doesn't communicate tone as well as face to face. So I, I, I mean, I really, God, this is going to make me sound so old. I really wish that people would, get together face to face more, you know, and just, we used to hang it. We, our big hangout was the Burger King parking lot. You know, that's where we went every night and just hung out. But you know, it, it was, you were with people. You could see if somebody was mad, you could see it in their face. You know, you didn't have to guess from whether they used a period or an exclamation point, but oh God, that's how, that makes me sound so old. But, um, I, I do think, that we, they call it richness. 
So different communication media have different levels of richness in what in what way. And text is way down there. You know, it's not a rich at all. So you're right. I mean, it 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 is a problem. And the I want to come back to your question a little more directly. I think the expectation of always being always being available is a problem too. I think that's more of the point of your question is, you know, you're ghosting me because, you know, you didn't text back in 15 minutes. Well, that's, but, but I understand, right? And so that puts a lot of pressure on the receiver of the message. I, I don't know what to do about that, though. I mean, I'm too disconnected from that generation to, to really be able to give much advice, I suppose, but... What do, you, what do you think? I mean, I've been there where, like, the less time I spend on, like, texting, calling, or even on the game, um, just hanging out with someone and just walking and and just not having it planned, just, it just comes out and it, the conversation flows freely. It just, everything goes well and it feels nice. And you're right, like, it, it, the conversation felt rich and we talked about deep meaningful things. And uh, I think that's what friendships all need. And yeah, like there are moments where we can't really talk to each other and we got to call on zoom or call like on the phone. But um, I think if you really want to know someone and like, because there's like a lot of, there's a lot of stuff to it, like body language and just how they are. And I feel like if you really want to know how someone is, the best bet is meeting them in person. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you're, you're, <laughs> you're completely, you're completely right. For me, I think our hangout spot was just like in the park. No one had their phones out. No one was talking about anything going on. It was just us playing a sport, talking, laughing, living in the present. And I think that's what made it like really important in uh, our relationship. And this leads me to next question, which is when I spend less time on social media, I go outside in nature, sort of like what you do. And I just, I don't have a destination when I go outside. I just walk. I just be, that makes sense. And um, so do you think nature and even animals, because I know you have animals, do you think nature and animals have an effect on our lives? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, and this is going to sound kind of metaphysical, I guess, but there's something about being connected to nature that just feeds your soul in a way that other things don't. Um, I remember when when we got horses and moved out to the country a little bit, my mom said, what are you doing? You're a city boy. Because, I mean, I like living in the city. You know, I like going out. I like being around a lot of action. Um, But this idea of just being connected to the seasons and to the ebb and flow of of nature, and you know, the it's gotten really green here. I live in Louisiana. And just over the last couple of weeks, it's gone from being brown to, you know, the grass being brown and no leaves on the trees to just exploding with the greenery. Well, you know, we're tied to those seasons, whether we realize it or not. And getting out and feeling the 
temperature change, you know, seeing things start to bud or the leaves start to fall. It kind of connects us with some sort of a cycle. I know I can't explain it very well, but I do think it's important to be connected to nature. And I'm a huge animal fan. We have 10 animals. So we've got three dogs, three cats, two goats, and two horses. And, I, you know, I, they're a lot of work, but they enrich our lives in so many ways. Um, so I'm a huge animal fan. But I, I think one of the things, I'm going to circle back around a little bit to some things we talked about a few minutes ago. When After I eat lunch today, I'm going to go clean out a horse stall in a barn. It's about as nasty a job as you can do. I mean, pardon the imagery, but it's soaked mud, horse pee, horse poop. You know, it's just nasty. But I'm going to be out there not listening to my phone, not watching TV, not reading anything. I'm just going to be and be working. This is kind of the point I'm trying to make working on this simple manual task. It's going to have a start. It's going to have a finish. And when I'm done, I'm going to be able to say, look, the stall looks good now. It didn't look good before. It looks good now. And that gives us another thing that we need in terms of our well-being, and that's a sense of accomplishment. You know, little accomplishments, are, we, don't, we don't give enough um, put enough emphasis on little everyday accomplishments. Um, and I, I think we need to do that more. And so one way to do that is to be out in nature. You know, you mow the lawn, you plant some flowers, you take a walk, you know, whatever it is. And, you know, you've accomplished something. You've been out in nature. So do, do you live in a city? Uh, live, well, I live in like an urban area. Yeah. Like a nice, nice, like a county. Um, okay. But we're just curious. <laughs> oh, that's why I saw like, like, the area you like lived in is like, well, the area you live in is like, we need to hear from people like that because, yeah, they're living away from, like, how do I say this? The city. There's a lot of toxic things in the city. And there's a lot of things going on. It's just very hectic. But I think we need to learn more from people who live in areas where they spend a lot of time uh, just thinking and learning and growing and spending time, like being one with the earth. That makes sense. And um, I think what you said about cleaning the horse stall, you can kind of make that as like a metaphor to like life, where there's a beginning, there's an end, there's a goal. And um, at the end, there's an accomplishment. And that's one thing I wanted to talk about, which was many people, like the most people I know who have a goal in mind, those are usually the most unsatisfied. And I feel like that's why we need those little goals. You're right. Those little goals are really what we need in life. And uh, do you know, like, let's say someone wanted to be a professor, someone wanted to be a doctor. and what little goals will they need in order to reach that big goal? So it's people won't believe that this was not a setup, but my next episode is actually going to talk about something called the small win strategy. 
that addresses that very question. Um, so, to, so two comments. First, you want to make your goals internal. Uh, one of the Stoics, I can't remember which one, said, never enter a race where you're not assured of victory. And so at first, that sounds kind of dumb. Does that mean I should always just compete against people that are worse than me? Well, that doesn't make any sense. And that's not what they were saying at all. Your victory is doing what you could do. You know, so if you do, if you do your best and you've done your best, that's your victory. And so you might want to be a doctor or be a professor and those are good things to do. But that's an external goal. And so that's not entirely in your control. You know, you could, uh, a lot of doctoral programs only admit a few people every class. You could be in a class that had a lot of really good applicants and you don't get in. You know, a different year, you get in. I've seen this happen a lot of times. And so you're, you need to think about you're making your goal something that you can actually control. Um, the second thing is you can break up big goals into a series of interrelated smaller goals. So like I, I'm, I'm trying to drop some weight. Um, you know, if I want to lose 40 pounds, that's a big, scary goal. It's hard to lose 40 pounds. Yeah. You know, it, it's, but it's not really all that hard to make some better choices. So, you know, my, my goal was to stay within my calorie count. You know, I've got an app on my phone that I track everything with. And, and I want to try to stay 500 calories below whatever that calorie goal is for the day. That's really not so hard to do. And, and I want to work out at least doing something six days a week. Uh, for me, that's not so hard to do. You know, I can do it at home. For my wife, three days a week might be enough. She's had some health problems, you know. So you you set a goal where you can achieve something. And if you string those goals together, you can make some pretty huge changes over the course of time. But he, here's the big payoff. Even if you don't string them all together into this big payoff, you've made yourself better with each one of those small goals. So every day I eat a little bit better, I'm a little bit healthier, right? Every day you get out in nature, let's say you can only get out in nature once, one hour a week. Well, you know, if your goal is to be a farmer, that's really hard to do. If your goal is to, I'm going to go out this week and I'm going to spend 30 minutes a day, twice a day in nature, or I'm going to learn about how to do a square foot garden or I'm going to do whatever it is. And the, the these making these smaller goals gives you that sense of accomplishment that can give you the fuel you need to achieve the bigger goals. So um, when, I, when I was getting ready to apply to the PhD program, I just started reading harder stuff. Well, even if I didn't get in, I read some interesting stuff. That was not the kind of stuff I would normally read. I don't know if that, I don't know if I make I get I get the feeling I may not be making much sense here. But these think about what you can do and make your goal to do that thing, 
and plan out a bunch of those little things towards this bigger thing. I don't know. Did that make any sense? No, at that all? did. That did. You're right. <laughs> it's like, um, have you ever heard of a smart goal? A what? A smart goal. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Specific, measurable. Yeah. I totally forgot what each. <laughs> so specific, measurable, achievable, and time bound. I think there there are different versions of it, but that's one version. Yeah. So, so yeah, I have, uh, so, you know, I, I was actually thinking about this the other day. I, I understand the logic behind smart goals, but those were really developed for like managing projects and that kind of thing rather than for self development. And, and the one that bothers me is measurable. You know, how do you measure being a better person? And, and, and that's really not that specific. I mean, I guess maybe you can break it down to I want to be kind three times today. Um, I'm of two minds about SMART goals. It's like you can't, you can't really, like, measure something that's quality-based. And uh, you kind of have to put a number to it, like what you said, be kind three times. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I mean, it logic and i'm not saying they're bad it's bad to have smart goals but but it's like anything you can carry it too far you're right i think like many students like struggle with the smart goals and or just any goal in general whether that's schoolwork or just something with themselves like it's really hard for them and i think that this is what i tell people that i know who are struggling with like goal i tell them that you have a goal and if that goal is meaningful enough then laziness and being unmotivated is up like out of the question right because you like you're passionate for it and uh what do you have to say for the people who are they have a goal towards something that you know like finish a project that they don't like and there is no passion in it and it's just you know First, I would wonder if that's really a goal. You know, finishing that project, is that really a goal for that person? Um, that would be my first question. The The second question would be, what's the purpose of achieving that goal? And so, so one of the things that's really hard to learn is that sometimes you've got to do crappy stuff to get to where you want to be. And it's one of the great things about my career. One of my doctoral advisors told me this at every stage in, in the career, you get more freedom. You know, when you start out and you're a graduate student, you do what the professors tell you to do. And then when you're an assistant professor, you know, you have more freedom, but you have to make sure that you publish in the right journals and, you know, do the right things until you get tenure, then once you have tenure, you have a lot of freedom. And once you're, I, I'm a eminent scholar, a full professor. I mean, I can kind of do within some limits, anything I want. You know, there are no more promotions. There's no higher level. And I, I'm sorry, that sounds braggy, but there's, you know, I don't have to do anything for external um, 
you know, to, for for people to want to send me to a higher level. Now, you know, I have to teach my classes and I have to do my research and but what but here here's kind of what I'm I'm trying to get at. I do all of that stuff because it helps me live my purpose. Or like a lot of my research, I'm working with our doctoral students to help them get published and help them get to good starts in their career. Or I research things that I think are important socially. You know, I, I teach because I try to do a really good job teaching because I'm helping those students to be successful in their lives. And so if you've got some boring project, well, if you just think of it as this boring paper I've got to write, then yeah, there's no motivation there. But if it's like, you know, I, I've got to write this paper because I need to pass this class to get this degree to help me do this thing that's going to help me have the kind of life I want to have. And so, yeah, it's a pain right now. It, it's kind of like, do um, you play basketball? For fun, yeah. Fun. So when when um, when I played basketball, we had to run suicides. You know, where you you run from the baseline to the foul line, and um, I, I actually, when I played football, they made us run football field suicides, which were just a nightmare. But nobody likes those. But why do you do it? Well, because basketball involves a lot of these little back and forth and back and forths. And you've got to have a lot of endurance and, you know, the suicides help you build endurance. So if you keep your mind on, this is going to help me better serve my team and it's going to help our team have a better chance of winning, performing well, then, okay, I understand why I'm doing these stupid suicides. I don't like them. I don't want to do them. But, okay, I get it. And it's the same thing with a paper or a project. You know, and and I'll be the first one to admit that some stuff you have to do in school in school is just stupid. I mean, it just is. I mean, I, I've done them. I've unfortunately assigned those kind of things from time to time. But you know, if you 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 have two two approaches, you can either just say, "Okay, I've got to get this done for this larger thing that I want to do," this degree or whatever it is, or you can take that project and say, "Okay." How can I make my effort that I put in project off in some other way? You know, maybe you learn a new skill. Maybe you learn how to do better Google searches. Maybe you learn how to better manage a project, organize a project, whatever it is. But you can kind of tailor it, still satisfy the requirements, but get something that you find value in out of it as well. But don't, don't tell your professor, I don't want to do it because it's stupid. <laughs> you can tell your yeah. friends. But yeah, that's that's never going to pay off well with your professor. I can assure you that, <laughs> even though it may be stupid. I mean, yeah, I feel like um, the I know someone who schools a lot for them, and uh, they they're struggling to find something they're passionate about. Passionate about, and um, there was this one time, like every assignment for this person is like a lot, and. It's just, I need to get this done. I need to get this done. And I think there was one assignment. Uh, this person didn't really mention it a lot, but I thought about it so much. It was like, there's one assignment where she was really passionate about. It was like, she was, 
she was speaking about like something that she enjoyed and it was like a four page essay and it just came out of her. And uh, I think that's the thing though. I don't know if I think school should, here's the thing. I don't know if they, they can't know what we like, obviously, but I think they should find a way where those four page essays could be something that means something to us or something that means something to everyone to the point where some percentage of us, like it means something to some percentage of us and that could help us out. Yeah. Well, you know, I I think you're right, but I also think that's really hard to do uh, because you've got, uh, you know, when I teach undergraduate classes, I have 50 or 60 students, you know, no matter what I pick, it's going to be some relatively small number that are going to actually be passionate about it. So what, what, what I do try to do is explain the relevance of what we're doing. You know, we're, like I, one of the classes I teach is uh, Principles of Information Systems. So it's a junior level class that everybody in the business school has to take. And I start out with, okay, I want you to, we're going to do a little thought experiment. You can't use computers for a day. No computer. You know, you can't use your phone, can't use your laptop, can't use your tablet. And so they, I give them a couple of minutes to think about it. And then, all right, so what, So let's talk about what you imagined. And so, well, you know, it was going to be hard to stay in touch with my friends, and I couldn't do my schoolwork. And I said, well, did you drive anywhere? Yeah. No, you're not allowed to. Why not? There are hundreds of computers in your car. Did you watch TV? Yeah. Nope. Not allowed to. All kinds of computers in your TV and your whatever box you're using to access the TV. And so we go on and on. And the point is, you need to care about this stuff because it is absolutely essential to your lives. You know, and so understanding it more is going to make you better able to leverage all of these technologies. And then, blah, you know, I go on and on about it. Um, the, the other thing that I would encourage your friend and others to keep in mind is that sometimes you've got to build the skills in order to get to the bigger payoffs. So, so if you don't know how to construct a sentence, you can't write a paper, right? If you don't know how to do the research, you can't really write a meaningful paper. And so sometimes you've got to play the scales, right? When you, you learn a music, you play scales over and over and over again because it gives you the skills you need to play the pieces or to write the music that you need to, you, you want to do down the lo- down the road. Um. So, yeah, I, you know, it's always better when it clicks, when it's something you're passionate about, but that's not always going to be the case. And, you know, if you've got a teacher that you're, you have a good relationship with, you can always just say, hey, or, you know, here are some things that we're interested in. Is there any way we can work any of these into the assignments? You know, it might be hard to do if it's an algebra class, but. So is your, your friend in high school or college? College. College. So one other thing to at least think about is people learn at different paces. 
And so if you really struggle with assignments and schoolwork, you know, maybe you need to cut back to part-time, go a little bit slower. Um, Because it can be a lot. You know, if you're taking four or five classes with deadlines and projects and everything, that's a lot. And so maybe uh, you're better off to, I'm going to take three classes this next term, or I'm going to see if I can only take two. No, nobody's going to care if it takes you five years to graduate instead of four, other than maybe your parents if they're paying for it. But, you know, after, after you get out, nobody cares. My my wife um, had to, because of her uh, family situation, she had to go to school part-time. Well, you know, she was had a really successful career as a nurse. And nobody said, oh, we're not going to hire you because it took you six years to get your degree. So sometimes you need to slow down a little bit if you really can't handle the workload. I think that's exactly what people need nowadays. Everyone's always like speeding up and trying to get to the best and grind hard and get to the top. uh, We need to sit back and, you know, I think it's this, this take a step back for two steps forward sort of thing. And uh, that's, you're, you're exactly right. Yeah. the, The grind can be toxic. And I, I work really hard. I mean, I, I I work a lot, but you know, it, it, it's this grind mentality is going to be bad for a lot of people. But this comes back to the idea of purpose. One of the reasons I work so hard is that I feel do serves my purpose, helps me serve my purpose, and so it. I mean, it's only kind of like work. That that's what I don't like about the word. It's the word grind. So you know you you grind something out when it's really hard and you don't want to do it and you're not finding it satisfying and fulfilling, but you get it done. That's what grinding is, and that's no way to live your life, right? You want to do things because you're like you said about your friend because you're passionate about it because you're excited about it because you want to do it, and to me that's not a grind. Never thought of it that way. <laughs> okay, so we're gonna have to do a. It's gonna be topic switch. So it's like. Okay. Tell me about a time in your life where you found it like the hard way of how important living a purposeful life is. If that makes sense. Um. Well. I- so let's see if this can get at your answer. So I told you in the introduction that I spent 10 years in industry. And and I was dealing with computers and I kind of liked it and I had friends and that kind of thing. But I was kind of cranky. I wasn't, you know, I didn't feel like I was going anywhere. And it's because I didn't have that sense of purpose. You know, I was too often we go with the default. You know, I was good with computers, and that's what I kind of fell into, and so that's what I was doing. And, uh, you know, I started a company, had a little company, because my my company I was working for was going bankrupt, and that was the easy thing for me to do. And then I sold it and went to work for one of my clients, because that was the easy thing to do. And there was nothing really driving it. There wasn't any... You know, this is why I'm doing these things. 
it was just kind of the default, you know, kind of taking the the path that just presented itself. And it really took me a while to figure out that there was something bigger than that. And and I'll tell you a quick story about how that kind of clicked. So I, I um, was training for a marathon. A group of us did the very first Disney marathon a long time ago. And when you're marathon training, you spend a lot of time running, obviously. And when you're running, you're, you know, we weren't sprinting. We were doing endurance running and you start talking. And so I was complaining about my job. And I started talking about how much I really like teaching. I was teaching uh, part-time uh, at a college, just a, you know, a class a term at night. And this guy we called the deacon because he was actually a deacon said, well, why don't you teach part-time? Or why don't you teach full-time? I said, well, you know, you got to get a doctorate to really do that right. And he said, well, why don't you get a doctorate? And so for like the next eight miles, I just didn't say a word because he raised a good point. Why not get a doctorate? And what, what I didn't know was that was kind of a big step towards leading this life of purpose. Even though it was 10 years after that, I kind of figured out what my purpose was. And so for a big part of my life, I did what most people do and just kind of drifted along and did whatever kind of came my way. But that, that's why having this purpose is so important. And if you start thinking about it early, even if you don't nail it on the first try, which you won't, you can start making decisions that move you a little bit closer and, and help you hone in. I, I think about it as, you know, a, a game where the, the margins kind of come in and so you're always getting a little bit closer and a little bit closer. So I'm not sure that really answered your question, but uh, that was kind of my path of getting to the purpose. I think, like when your like when your friend told me, why don't you? When your friend told you, why don't you get like a doctorate? I think at that moment, many people would have just said, "Oh, that's, that just takes a lot of time. I'm just going to continue what I'm doing." And it's like the, the one step back to step four mentality again. Um, what do you have to say to someone? Uh, how do I say this? Like, how do you explain to someone that taking the time to find your passion or purpose is more important than sticking with something safe? Well, of course, everybody's going to be different. Um, so I want to say that up front. Like switching but, but majors. It, yeah. It, well, you know, it, well, you know, if you've got family obligations and that kind of thing, I, I wasn't married at that time, so I could kind of do whatever I wanted to do. I could move, which I ended up doing. So everybody's a little bit different, but it's an investment, right? So I, I look at a lot of things as an investment. So I'm going to put the investment in now because I see a payoff down the road. You know, you put money in the bank or you, you know, put money in stocks or something like that rather than going out and buying a new phone because there's some investment down the road. And so you're making this investment in your time and effort for a payoff in the future. And if you can understand that payoff, then it makes it easier to take that step 
that's not really a step back, you know, you're kind of stepping around. Uh, and, and when you, when I went back to school, I went from making a decent salary to making a very low salary, and I had to do it for four years. So it takes, I don't know, four to six years to get a doctorate. So it's a big change. But it was a huge payoff, um, you know, for me, not just in terms of my satisfaction, but, you know, financially. I, I do a lot better now than I was doing back then. But if you can have that long term, you know, what's that? I don't want to use the word goal. It's really that purpose. So is what you're doing going to help you in some way live that purpose? And then I want to add one more thing, and that's to to reiterate that your purpose and your career don't have to be the same thing. I mean, ideally, you can find a career that helps you live your purpose, but it doesn't have to be that way. You know, maybe you have your career because you make money. You know, that's what you need to do in order to have the resources and time uh, that can help you serve your purpose. You're right. I think people think that there has to be one purpose and one purpose only. And uh, I think there's like multiple passions people can have that people tend to forget about. And uh, I think that's really important. Have you ever seen the the three circles when it comes to finding your vocation? Is it like the Ikigai? I don't know. Uh, is it like Maybe. what you do to the world, what you love? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Yeah, right. So, you know, you want to find that, what what you can do well or what you're passionate about, you know, what you can do well, what you're passionate about and what the world needs. You know, those things, I think those are the three things that come together. Um, but... I, one thing I don't like about that is I, I I don't like I'm trying to think how I want to say this. Our identities are too tied to our vocations. So, and I, I'm I do this just like virtually everybody else does. Somebody says, "What do you do?" Oh, well, I'm a college professor. What I really should, when somebody says, well, what do you do? I should say, well, I'd help people lead, you know, I try to help people prepare to lead successful, meaningful lives. But they just sound so crazy, right? If you were at a party and you asked that question and somebody answered like that, you'd find an, an excuse. I'm I'm, not, I'm saying you, but I mean people generally. You'd find an excuse to go talk to somebody else maybe because it's like, man, that dude's crazy. I don't want to talk to that guy. But um you know, you, you, it might be that what you can get paid to do isn't really your passion. It isn't really your purpose. And, but that's okay. You can still find ways outside of your vocation to serve that purpose. You know, it could be volunteering. I mean, depend depends on what your purpose is. You know, if it's to, to give the world beautiful music, well, you know, you're probably not going to make a living doing that. That, but that doesn't mean you can't still serve that purpose. I think what everyone needs is just time to themselves. I think that's why there's a lot of job changes and switches during the pandemic. And uh, sometimes you just need to be put, I don't, I don't want to say this, but it feels like 
some people need to, it requires people to say that again. <laughs> Sometimes it has to take someone to just be put, like sit down and not move anywhere to just sit down and just think about what they really want to make of themselves. Yeah. I mean, you really do need to take time to reflect and to think about those kinds of things or, or you're never going to find it. You know, you, you have to have that time of quiet introspection. Although there, there's a danger in that too. Um, you, you don't want to get down on yourself. Uh, this is another thing I see is people are way too self critical in an unkind way. Um, we need to practice more self-compassion. You know, you're going to screw up. Everybody screws up. Everybody makes mistakes. And so if you beat yourself up over it, you just compound the mistake. If you say, okay, you know, I was in this situation. I did this thing. It's not what I should have done. Okay, now, now I've analyzed it. And so how am I going to react differently in the future? Because that there's a really famous line um, from the Rubiat of Omar Khayyam. So the moving finger writes and having writ moves on. And what that means is once you've done something, it's done. You can't go back and change it. All you can do is try to learn from it. I think you kind of talked about that. Didn't you have an episode on regret? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it, kind of what you were talking about, you know, you, okay, you got to, you got to move on and figure out how am I going to avoid that mistake so I don't experience future regret. And and you can't do that without that introspection. And you can't do that unless you practice self-compassion. You know, not tough. Life, life is tough. You know, it just is. And so, you know, you're going to do things wrong. I mean, yeah. Right. Yeah, and you know, you just want to do things right in the future. So, I know that's easy to say and hard to do, but really, that's a mindset that people need to develop is, you know, okay, this has happened. What can I do about it now? Yeah, you, know, you sometimes it's you know you can apologize. You know, sometimes that's all you can do. Look, I'm sorry, I screwed up. I didn't mean to treat you that way. Or even that's not even a great way to say it. I'm sorry, I treated you that way. Because you did mean to treat him that way, you know. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And definitely none of this. Well, I'm sorry you took it the wrong way. <laughs> no, no, that's not helpful. <laughs> Okay, these last two questions are just for you. So what advice would you give to your younger self and why? Um, try to find your purpose. Invest some time and effort in finding why you're on this earth, how you can make the world a better place. It took, it took me way too long to get to where I thought about that kind of thing. Okay. And very last question. For the teens out there, or students out there listening, what is one advice that you could give to them about anything? This could be what we talked about, which you gave to your younger self, life, stress, friendships, relationships, anything. Can I, can I give two? Sure. Yeah. 
Okay. So cut yourself some slack. Be, be your own friend. If if your friend did something that was wrong, you'd forgive them. You know, if you do something or, or don't do something, you know, cut yourself some slack. It, it's it's tough finding your way. Um, and so don't be too hard on yourself. The, the other is enjoy people while you can. Uh, I, I lost my younger brother on Christmas Eve a few years ago. He, he didn't show up to Christmas Eve dinner, and my older brother and I went, and he was, you know, he had had a heart attack in the night, and, you know, had to call the police. Police got into his house and found him. You know, none of us expected that. And so, I mean, I'm glad we had a good relationship. And so, you know, enjoy. People can be taken from you at any time. Everybody that's your friend has been loaned to you by fate. And so, never forget that, you know, they could drop dead tomorrow. And so, you know, enjoy your friends greedily, is what somebody wrote. Because you're not guaranteed any future time with them. Wow. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's what people need to know, especially teens. Anyways, uh, I really enjoyed this conversation, Craig. Yeah, Thank you so course. much for being a guest on The Brief Dive. Uh, and uh, if you guys want to hear more from Craig, uh, I'll leave the link to his podcast called Live Well and Flourish in the description right. below and the website is livewellandflourish.com and I'm going to put the link to the website and the podcast on the brief dive story on Instagram if you guys want to check it out once this episode comes out that's when I'm going to do it and uh, do you have any last words just thank you very much and I really do enjoy your podcast I was really I, I listen I think it just lagged what were you saying yeah, I'm not sure what happened there. I said I the I just wanted to to uh, give a shout out to your podcast because I think you do a great job. I listened to a bunch of episodes over the last couple of days, and you I really like them quite a bit. So I, I hope you keep it up. Thank you so much. Well, I think that'll be it for today, guys. I hope you guys had a great time listening about living a purposeful life and social media because I did. If you guys want to reach out, then feel free to email me at thebriefdive at gmail.com. Subscribe, leave a review, or just stay tuned to these weekly podcasts on becoming a better you. Thank you and have a blessed day.